Welcome to Before the Business, a podcast dedicated to telling the origin stories of entrepreneurs. My name is Craig Swiston. After pursuing a bachelor's degree at the University of Winnipeg, Nigerian-born Lola Adeyemi came to Toronto and worked successfully as an IT consultant. At potluck lunches and dinners, she would amaze her co-workers with unique Nigerian flavors. Empty containers and rave reviews made her realize that even in a big city, it was hard to find African-inspired flavors. Please join me in welcoming its super founder, Lola Adeyemi. Hi, Lola. Thanks for doing this today. Let's start at the beginning. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey as an entrepreneur with It's Super. I moved to Canada over 15 years ago. I moved as an international student and I've been in Canada for so many years. And as an African immigrant, I just realized that there, you know, over the years, it didn't hit me right away, but it was something that we all know um, that there were no African products easily accessible, you would have to go to the Afro-Caribbean store. And we just accepted it as the norm. You know, after some time working in the corporate world and when we would have potlucks or any opportunity I had to share my culture, I would always bring Nigerian food. A lot of my coworkers would ask me, where can I buy this and how can I get this? And it always hit me that it's not easy for them to be able to access or find an African store in their neighborhoods um, because the African stores a lot of times are in niche neighborhoods where there's a higher population of immigrants. What I thought was, I'm going to start like a brand. I'm going to call it a super. In summary, that's basically what happened. I had this kind of push to create something. I'm going to start with soups and sauces because for Africans, soup is not for when it's cold. It's for any time of the year. We eat soup all year round. In fact, the soup is the main meal. It's hearty. It's a gumbo. The yam, the cassava, the rice is just an addition. So how would you describe the sauces and the soups? Is there something about them that you could say, hey, this represents kind of the the African roots of the product? That's a great question. So I call my line Afrofusion because some of them are purely African and some of them are inspired by me being Canadian now. For example, we eat chili in Nigeria. We just call it Ewaro bean. We put seafood like powdered fish, crayfish, uh, stuff like that into our, our beans sometimes but we don't put bacon, but I love bacon now that I'm, you know, more Canadian. And so I decided to make it a twist and make the chili with our African spices, but with bacon. Um, so that is a fusion of how a Nigerian would eat it, but also a Canadian. Some of them are purely like African flavors, like the Moroccan chickpea and also our West African pepper sauce is also uh, African. Our peri-peri sauce is African, our green pepper sauce is African style of green pepper sauce. So um, some of them, especially the sauces, are purely like the African style. The soups are, uh, are more of a fusion. What do you mean by African style? Obviously, we use local ingredients, um, such as like our veggies, like the green peppers we'll use for our green pepper sauce is, is from here. Some of the spices, especially, that give it that unique, authentic African flavor or aroma, I import them. Uh, when I first started, I was thinking, oh my God, importing the cayenne, maybe I should just use the local cayenne I get here. And my food uh, developer at the time was like, Lola, no, no, no. The cayenne, that the aroma and how the flavor that this cayenne gives is so unique that I don't think you should replace it with the ones you find here because they're different. A lot of countries, they have their green pepper sauces as well. Uh, but this one is the African style. So are these traditional recipes or would these be family recipes? 
the West African pepper sauce is like our put it on everything sauce. A lot of families have theirs. My grandmother makes the one of the best atadindin. The traditional name for it is atadindin, which is basically fried pepper. And so that is a, a family, I would, I would say it's a, like a cultural staple. Some of them are also inspired on, by my love for cooking and making African, other African foods. Like peri-peri is not a West African flavor. It's more from the Southern part of Africa. Uh, but we eat peri-peri a lot in Nigeria. So that's influenced by, by that as well. And then we also have our green pepper sauce. And I tweaked it to make it like the Nigerian style, but also Guinean style uh, of green pepper sauce. There's some ingredients that Nigerians put in their green pepper sauce that Guineans don't. So I made it kind of like based on the fact that I have a Guinean sister-in-law and I know how she makes hers and I know how I make mine and I kind of <laughs> put it together that way. So, so yeah, some of them are like just based on me just thinking about the best in of my idea of the best of all cultures and putting it together. So how did you take these ideas and put them into the business of actually getting around to starting a business? That's a good question because it didn't actually come to me right away. I was initially just thinking about something else. So I was working in the IT industry, working with the city of Toronto. I loved my job. I loved my team. It was amazing, but I was feeling like I needed something more. I needed like a little bit of a challenge. So I was like, okay, let me start a business. But then I'm thinking, okay, I want to start a business. I have to fill a gap. I have to think about a gap in the market that I can fill. And so I started thinking about different ideas. So food didn't actually come to me first. The experiences that I was having with people asking me, where, how can I buy this? Where can I find this? That planted the seed, but it didn't germinate until I specifically started thinking about a business I could do. And then one day I just thought about it. I'm like, why am I looking for a gap? The gap is right in front of me. Like there is a gap for food and that's something that I get all the time. So now starting with soup was because immediately I thought about it. I'm like, I love soup and I love Canadian soups as well. But a lot of times they're the same tomato, like, you know, clam chowder. I love clam chowder. Like, you know, but a lot of times it's the same soups again. I'm like, that is a market I should start with because I'm going to fill that gap for uh, the idea people have about soup being boring. Oh, I'm not a soup person. You hear that all the time. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to start a, a line of soups and sauces. I'm going to call it It's Supa, which is, I was so shocked that that name wasn't taken because it seems so simple. <laughs> a lot of things that I've learned uh, along the line is like realizing, oh my God, starting in a market that is already very like, is seasonal. Because the Canadian style in summertime now, soups, nose dives. Then also starting with a refrigerator product because my soup is also doesn't have preservatives, so it's in the fridge. There's a lot of complexities having that type of brand or line that I wasn't prepared for, I wasn't educated enough for. And so that has been a lot of like my challenge, and which is why I have expanded my sauces because I feel like... Um, instead of expanding to more soups, I think it's, it's to, to have more competitive edge for my brand, having the shelf stable sauces as well, which will help me during the times when in the summertime, when soup sales are down, sauces are higher because people are barbecuing more, people are using sauces more. So that way it balances out. And then sauces, people use sauces all year round. Um, there's a lot of education that we do on our social media to really show people that 
these soups, you can even use them for tacos. You can use them for like wraps. They're not like your basic watery like soup. But let's go back to when you started the business. Obviously, you jumped in, you know, head first, as they say. Um, how did you navigate those things that you didn't know or didn't expect? I can't overemphasize the importance of mentorship. When I started, I obviously didn't work in the industry. I didn't know anyone. I found this program, um, True Food Starter, which is an NGO that um, do this feasibility program where they would have a cohort. And if you had this food business that you wanted to start, they would you know, work with you and figure out if it was a good fit. So I was feeling very intimidated. I don't know if this is going to work, right? So um, until there was a one-hour mentorship session that you would have at the end of the program with a mentor from the food industry, that one hour, the one-hour mentorship session, Craig, that changed the trajectory of like my, my entrepreneurship journey. Like if I didn't have that one hour session, I probably, super probably won't exist. So how long did it take for you to get it super off the ground? I would say from doing the course to meeting a mentor and then now start officially researching and doing everything I needed to do, searching about like deciding on the recipes I was going to start with, deciding on like, you know, my packaging, all that stuff. It took about a year actually. So during that year, did you have trouble getting your recipes together? Did you have trouble finding commercial kitchen space? What were some of those early stage challenges for you as an entrepreneur? I don't have a lot of times when you're starting a new business, some of like my friends that I've made in the industry, they have friends and family that can help them. I'm a first generation immigrant and a lot of my friends are working. And so I would maybe beg a friend here or there to come help me production because when I first started, I didn't have the money to necessarily pay for like, you know, labor um, and people to come work. So I was looking for as much free help as I could get. I would say that was one of the hardest parts. Funds are always tight. I would say that's one of the uh, continuous challenges, like trying to compete with bigger brands that are like highly funded and you're taking from your savings and trying to compete at that scale. Like nobody gives you um, in this industry, so-called trope, like nobody gives you any excuses or pets you on the shoulder and says, don't worry, I know you're a small brand. Um, don't worry, I'll, I'll help you. I'll put your product in front of a Kellogg so that Kellogg's doesn't sell. Uh, so you sell better. No, you're going to fight on the same uh, level playing. It's not a level playing field. You're going to fight on this in the same field. I always say it's like it's a boxing match. And in boxing, there's lightweight and heavyweight. You won't put a lightweight with a heavyweight. But in, in CPG, everybody's fighting. Heavyweights are fighting lightweights. And they punch you and punch you. And everybody's punching you, taking from you. And it's the survival of the fittest, like, you know, so yeah, it's, it's basically that. So let's give you a bit of an advantage in this fight. If someone's at the grocery store and is looking for, or comes across it's super, either the sauces or the soups, what's a good product to try to get them introduced to you, your company and your flavors? Um, I would say that for our sauces, it's almost kind of a tie between the West African pepper sauce and the peri-peri. Do you think that's because peri-peri is almost accepted as a known flavor that that might be a good entry point exactly they're familiar with it but when they try they're like oh my god this is so good because they're familiar with a lot of times the nando's peri peri which is very vinegary and very like light this is a very thicker um style and so it has a good balance it's not too much of the vinegar style on in in it so it makes it like softer on the palate but it's also spicy as well so 
And then I'll say the next would be the West African pepper sauce. What about some of the new products that you're coming out with? Yeah, so the new products is the uh, mozzie peri-peri sauce and the green pepper sauce. So originally, we only had one sauce and three soups. We decided to launch two more sauces this year so that we have three sauces and three soups. Now, Lola, you proudly identify as a Black and a female entrepreneur. What would you tell other entrepreneurs who are Black and female about starting a business and the entrepreneurial journey? I always tell people, don't be afraid to be vulnerable. I would say that when I started showing a bit more vulnerability and expressing some of my challenges, I was surprised how much people were willing to help. I'm a black female. Sometimes people will come and then look at me and like, what are you offering? And kind of like, give me an eye. And I'm like, is it me? Or is it like, you know, or people come and surprise like, oh, you own this brand? You know, that kind of thing. So if you're an African with an accent that isn't seen as somebody that is from here, sometimes people are like, okay. What is she offering? Can I trust what she's offering? Is it made? Is it Canadian? Um, you know, those type of things. So I think sometimes as well, there's that challenge. But I have seen success still because of those challenges. A lot of people are now making a conscious effort to support people like me. How important is that support to you? Even just supporting me and just cheering me on, that counts a lot um, for me because. I don't get that often. So Lola, thanks for your time sharing your experience today. Is there anything else you'd like to add? The female entrepreneurship, black minority entrepreneurship community needs allies. You don't realize the advantage that you have for just being a white Canadian. Even just the advantage of having family and having your, your generational wealth already built here. Um, unlike me, where I'm just rebuilding it from scratch here. I'm first generation here. So there's a higher risk for me. Every entrepreneur, it's really hard. But I think there's, um, my journey is, has been a lot um, harder because of some of those things. Well, Lola, powerful words indeed. I encourage everybody to follow you online at itssuper.com, I-T-S-S-O-U-P-E-R.com. Thank you so much for taking time to explain your journey as an entrepreneur. If you like listening to the origin stories of entrepreneurs, please continue to rate, review, and share the podcast with your family and friends. For more origin stories, check out the full collection at beforethebusiness.com.